You're listening to the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. This is a conversation all about leadership, vision, and joining in God's activity wherever you are. You can follow along with today's episode using the show notes at hopechurchonline.com slash podcast or on your favorite podcasting app. Thanks again for tuning in today. We hope you enjoy this episode. Well, welcome to another episode of the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. My name is Scott, and I have the privilege of leading alongside Pastor Vance here at Hope Church in Las Vegas. Uh, We are honored that you would carve out some time as a leader to listen to this podcast today. Again, we've been getting so many reviews and texts and tweets just about you enjoying this podcast, which was the goal in the beginning. So uh, we are here for leaders to be encouraged and challenged in their leadership wherever God has them leading. Uh, And so if you just came across this podcast and you've not listened to other episodes, we have 16 other episodes we'd love for you to check out. Um, Also, a note before we begin, uh, we encourage you to rate and review this podcast. Like I said, it really helps get the word out and helps get this in the hands of more leaders, um, just leadership content from Pastor Vance. So uh, thank you in advance for uh, for rating and reviewing the podcast. And of course, sitting down here with the man of the hour, Vance Pittman. How you doing, Vance? I'm doing well, Scott. It's been a challenging week for us. It's a dark um, day in Las Vegas, Nevada. It today. is, man. This podcast will release first of May, but this week, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights got absolutely ripped off in San Jose with a horrible call by the officials. I'm learning hockey, uh, but even a new guy realizes that was a bogus call and should have never happened. So it's dark time in Las Vegas, but we will be back. Yes, and if this was a hockey podcast, we could fill it with lots of commentary today, but it is a leadership podcast. We are going to move on as we've been trying to do all day. Um, back in February, we did something a little different on the podcast, um, and it has become our most listened to podcast episode ever. Um, we've asked you through Instagram and email and Twitter to reach out and just send us your questions about life and leadership that you would love Vance's take on. And so today, uh, we're going to answer more questions. Um, if, if you like what you hear today, you can go back to the February episode, and we did that for the first time. And again, like I said, it's the number one episode we've had. So this is our second three-minute drill episode where I... Ask Vance a question, and he has three minutes to answer. Vance, are you ready? Let's do it. Question number one comes from a student pastor named Justin. He says this, how do you keep priorities in line as far as God, family, leadership, relationships, and your life as a leader? Scott, that's actually a great question, Justin. We really appreciate you sending it in. Um, The longer that I am in a position of leadership, and the longer I live out these principles of leadership, um, the more important I think the word balance is. It's finding balance in all of these areas. You can't get out of balance in any one of these things. And so there's got to be accountability systems, targets that you put in place. But there, as I read that question, Scott, there are three things that kind of bubble to the surface for me that have uh, allowed me to keep some of those priorities in line. And and Justin, when you hear me answer this, I want you to know uh, I miss these too at times. We all have times when we get out of balance and have to get get realigned. That's a reality. But um, here's here's three statements. First of all, just remembering that ministry is not the primary call. Intimacy is. Ministry can be the great love affair that woos you away from intimacy with Jesus if you're not careful. So leadership in ministry, Justin, that you're serving in, and then leadership in general can be the just like ministry. It can, it can seduce you away from intimacy with Jesus because leadership can be about performing 
And at the end of the day, what we've really been called to is intimacy with Jesus. And everything God desires to do through our lives and through the platforms of leadership that he's given us, he'll accomplish out of the overflow of our intimate love relationship with him. So understanding that premise is is the absolute foundation. Secondly, when you talk about, Justin, you being in, in spiritual leadership, church is not your primary ministry. And for me, what that means is my family, my wife, my children, that's the primary ministry God's given me. The most important leadership role I play is not one in church, it's not one in pastoral ministry, but it's in being a husband and a father and being the spiritual leader and the priest of my own household. That's where God's first call to ministry is for me. And so establishing that as the, as the foundation helps me keep that priority in balance. And here's what I mean by that. I right now serve as a senior pastor of Hope Church. I believe God's called me here the rest of my life. But the bottom line is, there can be other platforms to use ministry leadership gifts than Hope Church, but there's only one family. And if I miss that mark, it disqualifies me for serving in any other capacity. The qualifications given in the New Testament for spiritual leadership start in the way you lead the family. So if you miss that mark, then it disqualifies you in other areas. So ministry is not the primary call. Intimacy is. Church is not the primary ministry. My family is. And then number three, ministry is a part of my life, but my life is much bigger than ministry. And, and in being involved in ministry in particular, Justin, that you're in, or being involved in any type of leadership, if we're not careful, leadership and ministry can become our identity. And it's not. It's simply something that we do. It's what Christ does through us out of the overflow of our love relationship with Him. But our life is so much bigger than just ministry and leadership. There are so many other asset or so many other aspects and facets of life. And so I think those three things are some priorities, some anchors that help me keep some balance. And then let me just give you quickly some book resources to help. Uh, there's a book that I read several years ago. I've had our whole staff team read it. It's called Replenish by Lance Witt. Phenomenal book for keeping balance and spiritual leadership. A second one is by Mark Buchanan called The Rest of God. It's about the principle of the Sabbath. And then a third book that deals with this issue of intimacy is called They Found the Secret by Ray Edmond. Uh, It takes the testimony of 20 or 30 different Christian leaders throughout history and shows how they all discovered this principle of intimacy with God and him working through them. Those three books are great resources. So that's that's how I'd answer that first question, Scott. I'll make sure I put those three books in the episode show notes uh, for this episode. You can pick those books up. I've read a couple of them. Solid, solid reads. Next question comes from uh, a listener in California named Chris. He says, Vance, how do you set goals and or calendar for yourself individually as well as your team? Okay. Let me answer that in two parts. Uh, I'll do the best I can with three minutes. By the way, how do we do on the first one with the three minutes? Were we a little Uh, over? A little bit over, but it's okay. Okay. I figured we probably were. Uh, But this is really a two-part question. It's how do you set goals and calendar for yourself, and then how do you do that for your team? And those are two different filters for me. So for myself... I normally, on kind of an annual basis, try to think about some goals and objectives in four primary areas, professionally, spiritually, family, and then physically. And not in that order. That's just kind of the four areas that I'm thinking through. So let me start by just talking about spiritually. I always am trying to think about an area where God's working on me currently. For example, right now, an area where God's just deeply convicting me is in this area of personally sharing my faith. 
I moved to Las Vegas as a church planter. When you come as a church planter, all you think about is lost people. I've been here 18 years now. I pastor a large church. Um, we had, we'll have over 3,000 people every weekend in worship. We just had Easter a couple weeks ago and had over 6,000 people here on Easter. And so I spend a lot of my time now around saved people. If I'm not intentional about building ways to engage lost people, I can look back over a week or two and have been all about Christians my whole life. And so that's an area where I set some goals to try to think about Am I cultivating relationships? Who are those people that are in my circle of influence that aren't believers? And how am I going to be intentional? Like I choose to work out at a gym and I choose to work out at the gym where I work out because it's one of the avenues where I get to meet a lot of lost people. I choose to go to the same restaurants uh, over and over again for lunch meetings. And I do that trying to build relationships with restaurant staffs. For example, just this week, I got to see a guy that I've been cultivating relationship with for a year who is on staff at a restaurant, and he came to know Christ this week uh, through our relationship. So there's some goals that I set spiritually. Second, I'll talk about family. Um, I try to look at my family. Where are some areas where I need to grow and develop? And my wife and I recently had a conversation. We're in a transition season of being a family that had a bunch of kids to now being a family that's kids are mostly out of the house. We still have one teenage daughter, but everybody else is an adult. And so it's exposed some weaknesses in mine and my wife's communication because there's a little more time now to realize, hey, we hadn't been communicating as well. And we got to get prepared for another season where um, when I retire someday, it'll just be a lot more of us. And so we've set some communication goals this year thinking about my family. So I do that also professionally. When I think about the way I do this professionally, um, primarily for me, that's a target uh, of, of reading. I try to set some reading goals and objectives. I try to read at a minimum a book a month, and I hold all of our ministry leadership at Hope to that same standard of reading a book a month to develop in areas professionally. And then finally, physically. I always set some goals that are involving my physical health, realizing that's a part of being a good steward of what God's entrusted me with. And I don't claim to be the healthiest person, but I, I do strive weekly to be in a gym working out three to four times a week. I try to eat as healthy as I can most of the time. Those of you that know me well know that I'm a pretty big foodie. Uh, but, um, but Chris, those are some ways that I try to do that. I appreciate the question. Those are some ways I try to do that on the personal side. Now, I know I burned the whole three minutes answering the personal side, so I'm going to kind of cheat and kind of treat it like another question <laughs> and uh, do the other side of this, which is how you do this with your team. Um, with our team here at Hope Church, and maybe one day, Scott, it'd be a good idea to get Pastor Travis, our executive pastor, and let's do a sit down and have a podcast about the process I'm about to describe. But we use a strategic planning process here that, that runs primarily around four filters. And so the four filters for us are, number one, led by God's Spirit, meaning we wanna, I want to know that as our team is setting goals and objectives, we're not starting with a whiteboard or a blank sheet of paper and coming up with the best ideas, but we start in a, pro, in a posture of submitting to the Lord and hearing the voice of God. So we're wanting to hear God speak clearly. So it's being led by the Spirit of God. Secondly, we want to make sure that those goals and objectives are aligned with our mission, vision, and values. And a lot of churches have mission, vision, and values, but all they are are words up on a board that they wrote one day in a creative moment, but they never go back to them. And every year annually, we run a t our team through the filter of aligning uh, their planning and their goals with our mission, vision, and values. 
Third, we want to make sure that they are filtered through biblical stewardship, meaning that the goals and objectives we're setting as a team fit within the financial structure and goals that we've set as a team. And then finally, the fourth is that they're simplified for life balance. What we just talked about in the previous question about balance, we want to make sure that the goals and objectives that our teams are setting are set in such a way that they can also be a healthy human being in living out the goals and objective they've set. So those four filters are what we use, hearing God together, aligned with mission and vision, filtered through biblical stewardship, and simplified for life balance are some filters that we use here at Hope Church for setting goals as a team. So I'm under six minutes for both the questions together. Awesome. That is good stuff. Uh, you mentioned getting our executive pastor, Pastor Travis Ogle, on here. We actually have that plan for one of the podcasts, so be looking out for that. Just going to talk through some systems and some strategies that really help our leadership team here at Hope, and so that's coming. Um, the next question we're actually going to also save for our next epi- uh, another episode. It's from a listener in Russia. He asks about our teaching team. It's something you've mentioned a whole lot on this podcast, Vance. I get the privilege of being a part of that. We have a, a team of pastors that that form a teaching team. I know that will be super, super awesome content for specifically people in ministry. And so uh, if you are the listener in Russia that sent in our question, and there's been a lot of questions about our teaching team, we're actually going to dedicate a whole episode to the teaching team environment and that process and strategy that we have here at Hope. Um, so that is coming. Vance, did you want to give any comments to that before we move on to the next question? Yeah, just to say again, like you said, I'm so thankful for the question. I've gotten it multiple times from multiple people about our teaching team, and we are going to dedicate an entire episode to that because it's something that I'm super, super passionate about. I'm so thankful for what God's allowed us to enjoy here. I think it's one of the strengths of what God's built here at Hope Church and look really forward to sharing that. And then also, you mentioned that we are going to have Travis join us and we're going to do an entire podcast on this strategic planning process. And I would just say when that episode comes out, you're going to want to lean into that. Um, Travis, our executive pastor, God's gifted him in a unique way. And this is about a four-month strategic planning process that's the most holistic, spiritually-based, Christ-centered, fiscally responsible, thorough strategic planning process I've ever seen inside the context of church and and spiritual leadership. So uh, really excited about that to come. Awesome. So we're going to jump back into a couple more questions before we finish up today. This one comes from a young pastor in Mississippi. He says, how do you lead change when you're not in charge? That's a great question. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the context of it being from a young pastor in Mississippi, uh, I hope that's a situation where you are not a pastor who's not in charge because you got some uh, an, an un- unbiblical situation that you're forced to exist within where somebody other than the pastor is leading the church. I'm, I'm assuming by the question that this is probably a pastor who's on staff at a church uh, who has senior leadership over him. And so I'm going to respond to it in that context, um, assuming that this is somebody who's a second or third person in command or in leadership. Um, and I think it, whether you're inside the church or outside the church, the answer to that question is, is really the same. And it's that there are four characteristics I'd give you in how you, how you should lead change when you're not in charge. Number one, you need to do it prayerfully. And here's what I mean by that. Um, just because you have a difference of opinion, a different idea, a different perspective doesn't mean you're right and the other leadership that's in over you is, is wrong. 
you need to make sure that you carry what you're feeling before the Lord. That needs to be vetted in your in your time with the Father. You need to make sure that what's on His heart's on your heart. Because sometimes when you talk to the Lord about it before you talk to somebody else about it, the Lord will change your heart about it. And maybe God needs to bring you on board with, with the leadership that's currently there. So you start in prayer. So prayerfully, you go through this thing of leading when you're not in charge. Secondly, you need to do it submissively. And here's what I mean by that. The person that is in charge, are they're there for a reason. And they have a vision. They have a mission. They have a strategy. They have um, a reason for why they're implementing what they're, they're doing. And um, so you need to be sure that you're leading in submission to their general leadership. And maybe you say, well, I don't think their leadership is good. Well, then you need to hear this. If you can't submit to the leadership you're serving under, it's time for you to go. It's not time for them to go. It's time for you to go. Unless there's some clear biblical moral violation in how they're leading, um, if it's just strategically, philosophically, from a different perspective, you see things differently, listen, they're the leader. Your response is to submissively uh, support their leadership, um, and you do that prayerfully. So prayerfully, submissively, and then thirdly, you do it wisely. If you've sought, both, sought the Lord and you're in submission to the overall vision, but you've been given the freedom to lead in a little bit of a different direction, then you don't want to do that haphazardly. You don't want to do that carelessly. You want to make sure that, like, like the scripture talks about, gentle as doves and, and wise as serpents. You want to be sure that in wisdom, you are executing that leadership. And then finally, you want to do it patiently. Uh, when you're not the one who's primarily in charge and you're leading under the leadership of somebody else, it can take longer. You can't be impatient in seeing that change implemented. So if, if you're leading and you're making change, but you're not the primary one in charge, you need to do it prayerfully, you need to do it submissively, you need to do it wisely, and you need to do it patiently. It's good stuff. Good stuff. We're going to move on. we got a couple more questions before we finish up today. Uh, the next question was a really interesting one. This one actually came, Vance, from the founder and president of a ministry that serves pastors and executive pastors all over the country. Uh, and so he says this, why, when many pastors have been seduced by fleeting and cool ministry emphasis of the moment, have you stayed focused on the main thing? He, he, he continues and says, how and why have you focused on the old deep truths? Yeah, I appreciated this question because it came from somebody who's uh, I've known for many years and he knows me and knows our ministry context here. And I'm, I'm humbled by the question because I, I think uh, oftentimes we've gotten it wrong, you know, and we've gotten, we have been at times seduced by some of the, the, the fleeting kind of contemporary cool ministry emphasis. Um, but I, I, in response to, to trying to, in an honest way, answer the question, I, I, let me just say a few things. First of all, um, it starts with a call. Uh, one of my favorite verses in the New Testament that Paul wrote is in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 24. And the scripture says this, Faithful is he who calls you, and he will also bring it to pass. So here's what I understood from the very beginning when God called me into spiritual leadership, that it was God's call on my life. And he didn't call me to it and then say, okay, you go figure it out. The scripture says he's not just faithful in the calling, but he's faithful in the bringing to pass. Meaning that he didn't just call me to this and tell me to come up with a plan. He called me and he already has a plan. 
and he didn't need me to come up with one. God's not looking for me to create the initiatives and to come up with the strategies and, and institute the philosophies. He has a plan. He's infinite. He's sovereign. And if we really believe that, then he sees tomorrow as clearly as he sees yesterday. And 2019 is not a surprise to him. There's nothing in contemporary culture or society that's happening today that we have to go, wow, God didn't see that coming. There's nothing in the Bible that's relevant to that. So faithful is he who calls you, and he will also bring it to pass. We can trust him to do what he said he was going to do. Because of that, uh, I think from very early on in ministry, to me, I understood that we have one primary authority for how we're to practice the, the faith, the ministry, the leadership that we've been called to, and that's the Word of God. God's Word is inspired, it's infallible, it's inerrant, and if we really trust God's Word, then we have to have the Word of God as the go-to manual for spiritual leadership. In particular, my role as a senior pastor, there's a verse of Scripture in Acts chapter 6 and verse 4 where the apostles were facing this tension early on. Uh, culture was demanding they begin to lead differently. There were, in Acts 6, widows were being overlooked. There was the the first crisis in the church. By the way, this is a side note. Um, I think it's important to note in the day that we live in today where this is being talked about a lot, the first crisis in the church was not a theological crisis. The first crisis in the church was a multi-ethnic cultural crisis because the gospel was reconciling cultures together. They weren't debating theology in Acts 6. They were debating widows being overlooked, not getting food because they felt like one culture was getting preferential treatment over another. Hmm. So multi-ethnic, multicultural ministry is not a new thing. It's a New Testament thing since the beginning of the church in the book of Acts. But in Acts 6, 4, this is going on. There's all kind of pressure. And the, the, the apostles say this. They say, um, that we don't, we're not going to get distracted by this. We're going to devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And unfortunately, the way a lot of the church in America hears that is the pastor is supposed to pray so he can carry out the ministry of the word. And so what you see in the American church is a major emphasis on the ministry of the word, the teaching ministry, biblical literacy, theological foundation. I'm all for that. But we've done it to the discount of the first half of that sentence that says we'll devote ourselves to prayer. In the Greek language, the definite article is before prayer and word, meaning it's the prayer and the ministry of the word. And I think there the apostles were giving the foundation. I, one one person, Daniel Henderson's a friend of mine that that leads a prayer ministry, and Daniel says uh, that that the prayer and the ministry of the word are like the two wings of the airplane for spiritual leadership. And so the prayer is that corporate prayer, that that corporate pursuit of God and in prayer. And what we have in the American church is all this emphasis on the Word, so we got theologically sound, biblically right-thinking churches that have no power because there's no prayer and seeking the face of God in prayer. And so for me, that became a verse because of me believing that God's call started and he was going to finish it and he'd given me instruction in his word and his word was infallible. He said prayer in the ministry of the word, that's good enough for me. You know, if God says that in his word and he said, and the apostles said that in the foundation of the early church, then that should be good enough for us. And so it's some of those, those early things. And then thirdly, I had a strong foundation early on, both through uh, my dad, uh, my dad who was... Uh, a leader that led this way without kind of the new trendy stuff. He just he just simply, he taught me, he said, man, you love God, you love people, you preach the word of God, 
and you, you share the gospel. And, and so those things were instilled in me by my dad, but also by mentors and some professors in seminary that God used to really instill some of those. Adrian Rogers says, if it's new, it ain't true. And I mean, the book was written a long time ago. And if it's in the book, we can hold to it. And then finally, practically something that I think's kept me there is a principle of team leadership. I am committed to team leadership, which means that we lead together. I think it's the pattern of the New Testament. You see it in the apostles. You see it in Paul's ministry. Every time you read the word Paul in the New Testament, the next word is almost always and, because Paul never went anywhere by himself. Paul and Timothy, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Silas, Paul and John Mark, Paul and sometimes a group of people. And you see the plurality of leadership in the early church. And what happens when you have plurality of leadership, team leadership, There's an accountability that is intrinsically woven into the fabric of team leadership because when you work together and you lead together, maybe one day I do feel the drift to go after something cool and contemporary, but the team that I've committed myself to and submitted to in Christ-like humility provides an anchor to keep me grounded um, in certain ways. So I think those things combined are some of the ways that, that I would answer that question. Yeah, we've gone over our time on this, but this is a, a really, really good conversation that I think is, is really relevant right now. I mean, in the age of celebrity pastor and all that stuff, you know, I've been doing ministry now with Vance for 11 years. And even before we started this podcast, uh, he's a guy I know loves the Lord, loves the word. And we're talking about one of these questions that we we're going to talk about. And he said, wait, I got to grab my Bible. And it wasn't, let me, let me think about what's cool or what's relevant or what's hip. It's let me see what the word of God says in answer to this question. So I can attest to the fact of uh, the guy that wrote this question um, sees that through Vance's ministry. I can attest to that being on the ground with him here for 11 years in Vegas. And, and I think I speak for all of us, Vance, when I just say thank you. Thank you for being an example to us. And thank you in the age of Instagram celebrity pastors, um, a guy who just continues to um, reach back to that call that God put on your life and, and, and lead out with that daily. So thank you for that. And we got one more question. We'll talk all day about, about good stuff like that. But this question comes from a guy here in Vegas. He says, I am in higher education and I am the essential middle manager. He says, I've struggled with the idea of leading my team well and then being led by my boss well. And Vance, I'd love your thoughts. Great question and thankful to get one from right here in Las Vegas. Um, And what I'm hearing when I hear that question is, who am I to please the most? My boss or my team? Kind of being stuck in the middle with a relationship upward toward the boss and then a relationship either lateral or downward towards the team. Who am I supposed to please the most? And to be honest, the answer is neither. Uh, As a Christ follower, even though in the field of higher education, it doesn't matter if you're in higher education, in ministry leadership, in business, in medicine, at the end of the day, ultimately, we are to please the Lord. And so as I think about my relationships towards my boss and towards my team, my first concern, my first burden, my first desire is when I lay my head down tonight, it's not that I please my boss, that I please my team. It's that I please the Lord. Because here's the old adage that I heard years ago. If tonight when I lay my head down on my pillow, if I please the Lord, it does not matter who I displease. But if I displease the Lord, it does not matter who I please. And there's a verse of scripture that comes to mind in answer to this question. It's in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. 
Uh, and the context is here, Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus that was in the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was a culture that uh, allowed for slavery. It was somewhat different than the slavery that was in the United States of America that was so horrific um, and an awful period of history in our, our nation. Uh, but nonetheless, it was a slave-master relationship that existed in, in the Roman Empire as well. Um, so I, I make that point to say what I'm about to read was given as scriptural advice in the context of a very complicated and difficult work relationship. Uh, and here's the advice. Here was the scriptures, not advice. It's absolute truth. With goodwill, render service as to the Lord and not to men. So he starts right there in verse 7 of Ephesians chapter 6 by saying, hey, don't think primarily... What does my boss want? What does my team want? Don't think about the men or the women involved, the people in that situation. I need to first think about what's pleasing to the Lord. In my service to my boss and my service to my team, am I honoring God in the way that I am relating to either or to both? Then he goes on in verse 8, says, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. So it's not about who do I represent more, the boss or the team? It's ultimately you represent the Lord. And it's about making sure that in relating to the boss, you do that in a way that's Christ-like and pleasing to the Lord. So to the boss, what does that look like? Well, first of all, it looks like for you demonstrating understanding. You need to understand the desires, the wishes of your boss, the expectations of your boss, which means if you're not sure, you need to ask some questions. You need to get good information so that you can have good understanding about the expectations that you have from your boss. Secondly, it's about you in Christ-like humility submitting to the leadership of your boss, recognizing he's the boss and you're not. Whether you like it or not, whether you like his decisions or not, whether you like his demeanor or not, like we said in an earlier question, you live submissive to him as you submit to Christ. And ultimately, the bottom line is that person is in leadership over you right now because it's the will of God. God put you there, and God's given them to you as a leader. And until they do something that violates Scripture— uh, violates moral principles revealed in, in his word, you submit to them as you submit to Christ. Um, and, and a third way to do that as, as toward, towards the boss would be, and then execution. You're to execute the plan and purpose in the heart of your boss in submission to them through your team. And that's about you honoring the Lord because you're submitting to that leadership. And here's what you're doing. It's not that you're trusting your boss is right. You're trusting that God's big enough that if he put that boss there in your life, and that boss isn't violating any moral biblical principle that God's big enough to change the heart of your boss. The scripture says in Proverbs, the king's heart is like channels of water in the hands of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes, which means that, that the heart of your boss is like a stream of water. Your, your father in heaven can turn the heart of your boss in a moment as, as you seek the heart of God and live submissively. Then a fourth thing about relating to your boss would be communication of those uh, things that your team needs, resources, clarity, you then are an advocate in some sense for your team to the boss. So I think it's about pleasing the Lord and having a right heart towards him. And that looks like those things towards your boss, towards your team, it looks like making sure that they're treated in a way that's right, that's just, that's fair. All of that is a part of Christ's likeness because that's the way he would desire for you to lead that team. So you are advocating on their behalf 
uh, but you're also wanting to make sure that the communication that you've understood clearly from your boss is then being replicated towards your team so that they have clear expectations. The worst thing you can do in leading a team is not communicate clearly expectations uh, for that team. And and again, that's not just good leadership. That's Christ-likeness. The book of Proverbs is filled with wisdom about right words and right circumstances and how they're communicated and communicating properly. So at the end of the day, the answer to that question, it's about pleasing the Lord and making sure that my relationship towards my boss and towards my team is representing Jesus. And ultimately, here's the reason why. At the end of the day, God's given you that job ultimately for the accomplishment of His mission. And the only way his mission is accomplished towards your boss, towards your team, or through your team is as you allow Christ in you to live through you. And that's some of what I think that looks like. That's awesome. We had a lot of content on this episode. So maybe you need to go back. Maybe you need to listen by yourself or maybe with your team and take some notes. Vance had a lot of gems in this episode. Uh, We hope you've enjoyed it. Again, we have uh, a lot of questions that we didn't get to today. So uh, keep sending them in. We plan on doing these every few months because they are so popular and it's just great to kind of get some rapid fire questions from Vance. So uh, tune in next month. We'll be back in June for another episode of the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. Thanks again for joining us for the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. You can find all the show notes on your favorite podcasting app or at hopechurchonline.com slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. We will be releasing a new episode on the first Monday of every month to help you and your teams lead like never before.